Hello and welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration of America. I'm your host, Nick Chivas with Restoration News, and today we're blessed to interview actress and educational freedom advocate Sam Sorbo, who's standing up for parents and students all across the country. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. You have such an inspiring story and an interesting background as an actress, as an activist. Let's start at the beginning. How did this journey begin? Uh, oh, that's going back quite a long way. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how far back to take you, but I will say that uh, my oldest boy went through second grade and uh, I was not pleased with the level of academics or with the attitude that he was developing, being a very popular child in the school there. Um, there, there were a, a number of different things that just sort of set me back, and not the least of which was when we went out of town and the homework that the teacher gave me to give to my son was exactly the stuff that she didn't require in the classroom, making me the bad guy because he was very clear that she never required them to do those pages in the classroom. And I was just like, well, why would she give them to me? So there were a number of things that I, I got to the point where I, I literally said to Kevin, I think I could homeschool and fail and he'll still be better off. <laughs> and that was, that was my sort of turning point. That was my, so the bar was so low that I was, that, that I felt adequate to the task, right? Because because there was literally, if I failed, it would still be better than what we had. And um, and it's worse now, which has emboldened me. I'm biased and happen to fully agree with you. It's collapsing. And I want to ask you, do you think COVID-19 exposed some of that weakness in the school system and opened people's minds to homeschooling in a way that it wasn't open before? Oh, absolutely. I mean, without a doubt. Um, unfortunately, the, it's a double-edged sword. And so what COVID-19 also did, because it thr thrust so many families into what they called homeschooling, which is, which is not what homeschooling is. And in fact, I don't even call it homeschooling because it, it sends the wrong message. It's not school at home. That's not what it is. Okay. And, and, and so uh, you know, it's it's difficult to make a distinction for people who literally have no um, no reference point for what home home education should be, right? Um, mm. But in any case, what happened was a bunch of people across the United States, right? All of the school children and school families were thrust into what they call homeschool, and they were sort of cast adrift in a storm by the very people who were supposed to save them, by, by the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard like brought them out to sea, the storm set in and the Coast Guard shoved them off the boat and said, swim for it, basically is what happened during COVID. And by Coast Guard, I mean the school system, right? Yes. And so all of these families were like treading water and gulping in seawater and trying to make it and a lot of them were like, my goodness, I, that, I hope that never happens again. I will never, I will never try to swim again. Some families went, oh my gosh, the freedom of just swimming and not being constantly reprimanded by the Coast Guard, right? Constantly having to check in with a school system that can barely keep a boat afloat, right? Um, my analogy is going too far, but in any case, <laughs> so, so a good number of people were dissuaded from ever trying it which is too bad. But mm -hmm. yes, the, the, the number of families homeschooling, I think, I think at this point has, has doubled. 
Um, uh, and since before COVID to after COVID, basically it's doubled and more people will join the ranks because more people are homeschooling and showing that they can do it and how easy it is. And um, one thing I will say, I've started saying to parents, if homeschooling is hard, you're doing it wrong. It shouldn't be hard. <laughs> and, and what do you mean by not that? Hard. Because education is not hard. School is hard, but school is not education. School is school. Education is the indoctrination of the child. Education is giving the child truth and showing them how to pursue truth and then encouraging them in their pursuit of truth. That's really what education should be. Now we've got and you indoctrination. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Now we've got indoctrination in our schools and we're saying, hey, stop indoctrinating our children. Well, the reason that we're saying that is because they have the false doctrine. But they are indoctrinating children because they know that that is the way to own the child. And you bring up indoctrination, you bring up uh, something I want to touch upon. Now, the standards were going down before COVID. Now, when COVID hit, it seems like the standards went even further. And you talk about indoctrination as a point. There's DEI now initiatives, diversity, equity, inclusion. There's pornographic books in fifth grade level libraries. It seems like it's gone off the rails. Do you think enough parents are waking up and moving their children out of the school system? Or is this something we're going to have to wait 20, 30, 40 years to see play out? So um, I don't mean to correct you, but there are pornographic books in the kindergarten library. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're right. right? They, <laughs> you're it's right. all the way down. And the degradation of, of standards has been happening for 100 years. Just look at the eighth grade test from the 19, I think it was 1920 something. Uh, they, they found an eighth grade test and it's something that, that you and I probably couldn't even do. Like, you know, so um, so the, the, the standards have been collapsing for a hundred years. And we, we've been inured against causing any kind of a scene. How? Because, because we, were, we were schooled for 13 years, K through 12, plus any college schooling that you got um, to not criticize the schools. They've taught us very well. What they do is extraordinarily effective. It's not good, but it's quite effective. And so that's why you have parents who have graduated high school and still feel inadequate to teach their second grader. But as inadequate as they feel, they're still willing to subject their second grader to the system that turned out the likes of them. An adult who is inadequate to, to teaching a second grader. It, 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 it boggles the mind on the level of logic. But because we were never taught logic or discernment in school, and then if you're not taught logic or discernment, how can you, in your right mind, call that an education? So you weren't educated, not you personally, but parents. Yeah. Parents yes. weren't educated. They were schooled. And like I said, it's two, two entirely separate things. And their schooling was extraordinarily successful. That's why they feel so incompetent, because that is the purpose of schooling, is to make you feel incompetent so that you will obey, not question authority, and become a good factory worker. <laughs>
How, how do busy parents, especially ones that feel inadequate, like you just said, how, <laughs> how, can, how, how can, you're right though, how can they school their, or educate rather their child at home when they, I'm busy, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm working. Is there any tricks, any, any shortcuts, anything you can provide as far as advice yes. for those parents? And I love the fact you're catching on, right? How can they school? I mean, educate their child, right? Don't mm -hmm. school your child. Educate your child. Well, how do you educate your child? Well, what curriculum do I use? You are the curriculum. Parents, you are the curriculum. So Life lessons. Uh, how do I do it? I'm so busy. Well, bring your child along. Show your child what you're doing. Teach your child what you're doing. Spend an hour a day reading to your child or doing a puzzle with your child or coloring with your child. Spend time with your child and show your child what being an adult is all about. Trust me, that's all they want. They want to be just like mommy and daddy. Now, okay, you work full time because obviously the the tendency that we have is to go to like the worst case scenario. Well, how can that person do it, right? You're not that person, most likely. The most of the people watching this, you're not the person that's like the worst case scenario. Well, I need to hold down two jobs just to make ends meet. What am I going to do with my child? But even to them, I would say that forming a co-op so that you can trade childcare, and the assumption is you've got a very young child who needs childcare, right? If your child, if your child is 12, they don't need to be supervised. So you, you know, you work out a deal with some other parents. But even that is preferable to sending your child into and into the indoctrination of their own inadequacies. So I'll tell you a quick story. Sure. My daughter is, um, she's 18 now. And for years, I she's not, let's put it this way, she's not an academic. So the academics of our, our school system are um, more challenging for her. And that's true of many kids. Just because the school says that academics is the only way to get an education doesn't mean that they're right. It just means that that's their own, um, the, that's, that's the way that they've defined it and that's the way that they've chosen to, to train us, okay? That's why, that's why we at this point no longer really have a good working definition of what education is. We only know what school is, if that makes sense. And my daughter said to me that she finally figured out why she feels so stupid. It's because she attended a half-day kindergarten for a year at the public school. I thought it was really cute. They had a lot of fun. They did coloring and they made turkeys for Thanksgiving out of construction paper and all of that stuff. But the day that the teacher asked her to get up in front of the class, this shy little reluctant, tiny little girl to get up in front of the class and read her sight words, she stumbled and the class laughed. And that's when she learned she was stupid and she's been battling that for the past 10 years. And so I'm just saying to parents, you've no idea what's happening in the schools. You've no idea. Well, now you have some idea, thanks to COVID-19, that, oh, they're actually putting pornography in the schools. And if you doubt that it's on purpose, I urge you to look up in the congressional record, the goals of the Communist Party, one of 45 states, get pornography in the schools. So this absolutely is a goal. Absolutely. I'm sorry? It's absolutely on purpose. 
as many oh, yeah. of their tactics are. This is, this is, I mean, why would you tank an education system and tell kids that math is racist and, and now they can't add if it wasn't for some more nefarious goal? I mean, uh, kindergartners with pornography, how, how can they defend that? I guess my, my question to you is, how is this even getting traction? How are people even buying into this as being okay and dragging parents out of board meetings when they complain? How yeah, have we gotten so that? And, and that's a very good question. And I think it's important for us not to just sort of throw our arms up and go, I don't get it. It makes no sense. It makes complete sense. And if we avoid looking at why it makes sense, because it just seems so inconceivable. I mean, it seems ridiculous, but it's on purpose. It is happening. We shouldn't deny that it's happening or avoid facing, you know, what exactly is happening. And part of the reason is because the Marxists took over the teaching colleges years ago. The teachers' unions are commie. They're communist now. And these are the stated goals of the Communist Party. So it's, a, it's very methodical. It's very logical. And you go, well, how can people buy into it? Well, they've been brainwashed, quite simply. Just like we've all been brainwashed to think that school is education. We've all been brainwashed to think that school is education. You know, I, there's a video that's gone viral recently that I did um, that that I did with Robert Breedlove, who has a, a podcast called The What Is Money Show, and in it he asked me, "Well, what is fascism? Like, what's the difference?" And I make the case that fascism is left wing. It's just a different form of communism, basically. Communism, in in socialism, socialism is the uh, is the journey toward communism. Socialism is not an end in and of itself. A socialist system is a system that is transitioning from a free market system to a communist system. And the reason that I say that is because the government knows no boundaries. So it will always seek more control. And that's what communism is. It's the ultimate uh, version of government control over everything and everyone's lives. Um, fascism is different in that the government doesn't own everything, but it still controls everything. So they're, they're cousins, they're, they're deeply related. And socialism, of course, is the path to communism. It's the less violent path to communism. You can have the communist revolution, which is violent, like they had in Cambodia um, and other places, obviously. Um, and then you can have the, the soft journey towards communism like they did in Venezuela. So, but fascism, so sorry, I, I got off track. Fascism is left wing. Now there's the, the reason that the, that the video has gone viral is because so many people disagree. They go, no, fascism's right wing. And I'm like, well, prove it. There's absolutely <laughs> no proof. The, the, the fascists have the same artwork as the communists. It's all red and black. They have the same tactics, making buildings, great big blocks that are so that are so onerous and impositional to make you feel tiny and puny and powerless. Um, it's it's all of a piece, all of that. And the fact is that on the spectrum of the on the political spectrum, if you have well, I'll put it over here on the left, if you have communism and fascism and socialism, as you go to the right, you get more individual autonomy, more individual control, more power to the individual and less power to government. So government power goes down, individual power goes up. Well, at the end of this, this um, journey towards individual power and autonomy, 
Mm. You have anarchy. You have freedom of the individual to do literally like whatever he wants with no government imposition. Now, how do you get off that cliff to fascism? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't work. But there's so happened? much controversy because everybody now, because of because of our left wing media, they think that fascism is right wing. And it's yeah, only and because they were brainwashed to believe that. Anti for the heroes. Yeah, the anti-fascists. I, I've seen it as well. And uh, I want to ask you something. I want to get to your book uh, before we uh, have to close out soon. Uh, Words for Warriors. Uh, I'd like you yes. to talk about why did you write this book and, and what is Over there. the contents of the book? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? So we're doing this backwards. The, the reason that I wrote the book is because I got so tired of people misunderstanding the word fascist. Now, so Mussolini was a fascist. OK, mm. he didn't own everything in his country, but he controlled everything in his country and he joined forces with Hitler. OK, the reason that we got this confused and we think, well, Hitler was right wing. He wasn't. He was a socialist. It's in his name. National Socialist Nazi. That's <laughs> very, very simple. The reason that we got confused is because the communists. How? Because we joined with Stalin to defeat Hitler. It was a necessary evil. OK. And after we defeated Hitler, Winston Churchill said, please, Roosevelt, let's go after the commies now because they're just as bad, if not worse. And they are. They're worse. Hitler killed, what, six million Jews and, and, and gays and um, priests, okay? And what, what did Stalin do? 30 million? 100 million? Uh, tens of, sorry, Stalin did tens of millions and the commies in China, uh, uh, you know, you know, 50 million, like it, crazy, crazy numbers. OK, so not that look, one death is a tragedy. Right. But um, but my point is we joined forces with the communists. Winston wanted to then go and defeat the communists. Roosevelt, who was unfortunately coerced by a commie spy, who was his next sort of his right hand guy, refused to go after the communists. So then what happened? The Nuremberg trials. And who sat in judgment at Nuremberg? Believe it or not, Stalin. The commies sat in judgment at Nuremberg. And they developed this, they devised this diabolical plan to pin the evildoers with nationalism, not socialism. Oh, those familiar. nationalists, how dare they, those national fascists, right? They're right wing. No, they're not right wing, they're left wing just like the commies. And they're almost just as bad, if not worse than the commies. Like they're, they're all the same evil. And you, but unfortunately, because we allowed the communists, because they helped us win against the Nazis to sit in, in judgment. And then the, the last sort of piece of that is that a ton of the communists and even the Nazis, but the Nazis went south mainly. The communists came over to the United States and they infiltrated the Democrat Party, which is why the Democrats are now full on commie. And the proof I have for that, this is funny. Um, the proof that the, that, the, that the Democrat Party is communist is Bernie Sanders because they <laughs> denied Bernie Sanders the win. They gave it to Hillary and they told him to sit down and shut up and they bought him a house. And like a good commie, he agreed to go along with it because you don't go against the party because the party will turn on you like that and kill you. It's true. It's true. And uh, before we close out, uh, you covered so much ground. I want to ask you, what's the main message you want parents, even just Americans, to walk away with, with your activism, with your writing? What's the most important thing Americans, especially parents, should be focusing on right now? 
the only way to save this country is through home education. And the reason that I say that is every child is intrinsically imbued with curiosity. The first thing we do to children when they go to school is tell them to sit down, shut up, and stop asking questions, that they need permission to ask a question. That's child abuse. That goes against their very nature, and it prevents them from learning. It makes learning more difficult. Shame, shame on the system for doing that to them. And if you're going to come after me and say, but how else are they supposed to keep order in the classroom? They have to have order in the classroom. I say, that's your problem, not mine. <laughs> Parents don't need to keep order in the house by blowing a whistle so their children behave. That's not how it's done. So, um, so my message to parents is keep your children close, teach them yourself. When you, when you discover your job is to discover what their natural inclinations are and to feed that and to make learning fun because learning is fun. So don't burden them with all of the academics all at once. Little boys should be outside hitting things with sticks until the age of eight. There's Amen. no reason to make them sit at a desk. Like, like we have to get our, get our minds out of this, this the, the gutter system that's our schools, right? Uh -huh. We have to rethink the way that we think about education. And I do a training on it. I have plenty of books on my on my website, which is sorbostudios.com. And that's partly why I, um, I wrote the book, uh, Words for Warriors, is because they have managed to redefine so many of our words now, we no longer even know what we're saying. Like, what is a man? I don't know, I can't define what a woman is. I mean, we have a Supreme Court justice who refuses to define what a woman is. Like, that's, that's lunacy. That, yes, it's on purpose, but that, you know, call it for what it is and laugh at it. Claudine Gay, the, the president of Harvard, resigned over racism, not plagiarism. Plagiarism, yeah. And I'm saying, yeah, that's not good enough. In fact, I just wrote to Carol Swaim, who she plagiarized, and I said, hey, sue her for her salary because she got that salary based on taking credit for your work. And you know, you can do it in the music industry, why can't you do it in the educational industry? I mean, this is, this, is, this is the degradation of our entire culture, okay? They are going to burn down those institutions. And then we're, we're going to be like, well, we're all stupid now. No, the joy of this is if you keep your children home and you empower them to teach themselves, because that's what education is. You empower your children to teach themselves. They will be smarter than you. They will be better informed than you, and they will be able to save this nation. Because God knows I, the rest of us have been trained to sit down and shut up, and we're not standing up for our rights. Well, thank God we need it. And uh, educational activist Sam Sorbo, you're fighting a worthy war. And as a friend of mine used to say in the reporting business, the only thing these people understand is ridicule. So great message to just laugh at it and go with it. So th thank you for fighting, and then thank you for joining us here today. It's been great. Thank you so much for having me. First Right, a new kind of news summary without the liberal slant. Every morning, in your inbox, always free. Subscribe by texting First Right to 30161. That's First Right, all caps, one word, to 30161.